Welcome back to another episode of the Good Do Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Thomas. And today's episode, we're going to be talking to a good friend of mine, Captain Jeff Sabaki. He is uh, an infantry company commander, and uh, he's got some great takes on what it means to be a professional soldier, as well as a full-time manager in the civilian world, and a father and a husband. Uh, so I had a great conversation, and I can't wait for y'all to hear it. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show. Very happy to have you on. And uh, if you would, just introduce yourself to the, uh, the listening audience. Yeah, so I'm Jeff Sabatki. Grew up in a small farm community called St. Charles, Minnesota, uh, which is in southeast Minnesota. Currently live in Rochester, Minnesota, so not far. I uh, have a wonderful wife and uh, three wonderful kids who I obviously miss a lot. Um, personally about me, both professionally and here, um, so I'm a captain in the Army National Guard, uh, as well as a, a consumer loan servicing manager for a bank called Think Bank, which is located out of Rochester, Minnesota. Cool. So when... When you got your job, were you already National Guard, or was it vice versa? Uh, so I was already National Guard, so my story is a little unique in the sense that uh, I was a couple months from graduating from college, went to Winona State University, and a friend of mine was like, hey, we should join the National Guard. It was 2008, um, and so took off for basic and AIT, came home, and then needed to find a job, and that's when I was able to find Think Bank, and they were willing to take me on and hire me, so yeah. Cool. Well, good deal. So, like, what did you go to college for? Uh, so, I went to college for business administration and uh, human resource management, so double majored, and I minored in international business. One unique thing about me when it comes to that, I was convinced I was actually going to work in China in business, so... I uh, took uh, four semesters of Chinese, traveled to really? China twice to study business. Wow. Yep, yep. Uh, so I've been to Beijing, Xi'an, Shanghai, Hangzhou, Suzhou, and did a minor internship in uh, Shanghai with a company called Fastco, which is a subsidiary of Fastmail that's based out of Winona, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. We've worked with them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we use some of their products and um, on projects and stuff, and so... Nerding out for a minute. I no, apologize. No. Um, that's super neat. No, so that's uh, okay. So, in my opinion, could that be further from what you do in the army? Correct. Right? Like, Correct. so super, you know, business guy over here, right? Yeah. Everything, shirt and suit tie, mm-hmm. you know, very much office worker yep. to army infantry officer, right? Yep. yep. How does that work? I mean, that's 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 almost like an alter ego situation. So, yep. so talk, talk me through that. So I think it goes back to, um, it, you know, ironically, all the way back to day one of college. I remember looking at uh, going business administration or law enforcement. So there was always that edge to me that I wanted to do something different. Um, I went for business administration, but in the back of my mind, um, my Both my grandfathers uh, served, one in World War II, one in the Korean War. So I always had this uh, respect for people in the military and wanted to serve. And uh, at the end of the day, when I made that decision, I'm joining the National Guard, 
Um, I wanted that job where, you know, you're shooting guns, you're jumping out of airplanes, you know, you're getting into the jungle and doing what my vision was of what the Army stands for and what it's about. There was nothing else that would have satisfied um, that. It was kind of funny when I enlisted um, in the infantry because I was enlisted first. Uh, the recruiter had said, we seem to only get two people in the infantry. Really smart people and really dumb people and nothing in between. <laughs> That's a very good description. That's funny. You know, as an engineer, we only get smart people, obviously. <laughs> um, that goes without saying. But, uh, no, that's, that's, that's funny. I, I wouldn't have thought of it like that, but that's a very good description. So, we're, so you, you're obviously a family man. Yep. And, uh, and so, were you married before you joined up or after? How, how did yeah. that incorporate? Yeah, so I was engaged before I left for basic and AIT. Uh, and then once I, I got home December of 2008 from Fort Benning. Um, my wife and I got married in June of 2009. Mm-hmm. So um, engaged through the first portion of my military career and then uh, got married. And she's been amazing, extremely supportive through the two deployments and then uh, you know my military career up to this point. Did she come from a military family? Did she know like was somebody. Unique uh, story, so uh, so my wife's family is actually from Laos. So she was born in San Francisco, but my wife's family is from Laos. And so her grandfather, when he was in Laos, was part of the group that supported the U.S. military during the Vietnam War. So then when the uh, uh, people, you know, when the Americans had left, we had left Vietnam, uh, there was a price for his head because he had helped the Americans, and so they had to take off, flee wow. to Thailand, then come here. That's crazy. So her family has a lot of respect for the military because um, her grandfather, you know, essentially served alongside the Americans during the Vietnam War. So that's really cool. So yes, yeah, she she's very supportive. Her whole family's very supportive. So it's this very unique twist to their ties and relationship to the military. That's neat. And, I mean, I can imagine as a company commander, like, for those of you that don't know, when you're in National Guard and reserves, it's supposed to be one week in a month, two weeks a year. That's how it's billed, right? That's how everybody <laughs> says. So you're just like, oh, it's just two days a month. Like, that's not a big yeah, deal. And crazy. it's on the weekend, right? You're not working anyway. Um which may be true if you're like an E1 to an E4, but pretty much everybody else, it's a substantially bigger time commitment. Yes. So as a company commander, how, how does that work with your, your daytime job? Like, how are you making yeah. those things work? You know, and at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's, it is a give and take. It really is. Um, you know, for me, it's about being honest with my employer but then also on the same breath, there's a big commitment being a company commander. It's a lot of hours, so I know, you know, I'll be spending, you know, some of my lunch hour just working on Army stuff. That's, it's critical, got to get it done. And then same thing when I get home, usually spending an hour, you know, when I get home on um, items dealing with Army. Uh, so... It, you know, life is kind of a pie, and I, I split it into thirds, and I've got my family, my military, and then my, you know, civilian career, and they're all equally important in who makes me, and 
it really is a give or take, and what I've learned is you've got to be very careful about that balance because if one seems to dominate the other, then that's when issues start to happen. And by no means am I perfect at it. I've certainly made mistakes along the way, um, but that, you know, it's just trying to find that balance and, and being honest with your civilian employer, being honest with your uh, military leadership, because if there's times I really have to commit to my civilian employer, it's just being very upfront about that. Mm -hmm. So, so it, 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 bottom line upfront on that, you've got to be comfortable with saying no at certain times. And I tend to be somebody who says yes to everything, and that has where I found myself getting into trouble. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it definitely can be a conflict of interest, and uh, and it's it's rough to say no. You know, especially for people who. Like it's our job to make things happen, right? Like that's that's why we're here. We're not here to say no. We're here to make the mission happen. Right. And so, you know, but at some point in time, you're you're a detriment, you know, when you just committing to too many things. Um, so looking looking forward, as far as your time in company command, how many people are you personally responsible for? Yep. So uh, traditionally, it's 131. Um, so as a company commander, that is who I'm responsible for. Obviously, it's a little unique here just because of the mission requirements, so that number is a little bit different, but at the end of the day, as a light infantry company commander, the number I'm responsible for is 131 soldiers. Okay. And your first deployment, were you a platoon leader? I that was. One? Okay, and yep. so in a platoon is 20, uh, 40 people. Guys, 40 yep. people? Okay. All right, so two different deployment experiences, right? Deployment for a platoon leader and, a, and, and as a company commander. Which one was better? Oof. So, great question. Uh, really, they both had their pros and cons. Um, uh, uh, so, I'm living the company command right now, and I'd have to say company command. And the reason for that is I feel like I can really influence things on a bigger picture. Part of me is because I'm blessed with the mission that I have here. I'm able to meet people like you, and we're able to work together to really look at things from a big picture um, to get things done. Uh, so, Personally, being a company commander is my favorite. Where I would say a platoon leader makes it tough is you really get to know the guys on an intimate level, and you're in that mission execution phase all the time. You know, so uh, when I was a platoon leader, we were doing convoys in Iraq, and I was on every single convoy we went on, or every uh, route security mission we went on, and you just get to know the guys on a much different level uh, in that way, and you feel like you're kind of the tip of the spear, whereas a company commander, there's the strategic piece, which is great, uh, but the sacrifice is you can't go on all the missions. Mm -hmm. You know, there's still only 24 hours in a day, so. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think everybody probably has a similar <laughs> reaction. I'm, like, definitely being a platoon leader is, like, one of the most rewarding things because you really are right there with the people. You're, you're on the ground. You get that experience. Um, and you're neck deep in it, like, all the time. Yeah. Uh, but once you move out of that level and you move up to a couple levels higher in the management, like you said, that was perfect, that you can actually affect change in a greater way. One thing that I, I really enjoy now, like being in my much uh, senior field career, <laughs> level, uh, um, I, I really like to mentor people, especially young officers. So, uh, you know, for me, when I was in the Army as a captain and, and I was a platoon trainer or, or, or now in the Air Force as a major, 
I get to work with a lot of younger officers who don't have the experience or haven't had the operational opportunities that I've had just because I have bad timing and I came into the Army right after 9-11, you know, so like it's just they didn't get that coming up, so they don't know what they don't know. And uh, for me, that's been a, a big joy is to work with the younger officers and, and be able to help them develop and learn from the many mistakes that I made. So how has your relationship been with your platoon leaders? I mean, is it is it something that is a constant struggle? Is it something really easy? How, how does that work for you? You know, just like anything else, and that's something I would say, maybe it's what makes the National Guard unique, or maybe it's uh, how it is active duty Army, um, but it's, it's very similar. You know, it's about that coaching, that men- mentoring, your ability to sit down with somebody and give them feedback on ways that, hey, this is what I witnessed going on. This is how I would have approached that problem set. Um, I'm a firm believer in letting people leave. So I'm not a micromanager. Um, you know, I'll give you your distance, your direction, your left and right. But I really want my platoon leaders to ultimately make those decisions. You know, I uh, love the book, Turn the Ship Around, you know, the concept of I intend to letting people take ownership for things. And I'm a big believer in that. So uh, with the mission that we're doing here, um, I really allow my platoon leaders to lead their platoons. They don't expect me to show up and uh, start maneuvering their guys around um, just because I want to feel like I'm the one in charge every time I show up. You know, I'm really there to help them get better because the reality is, you know, as a platoon leader, you think being a captain and a company commander is so far away. In reality, it's not. And then it's going to hit you in the face like a fastball. And before you know it, you're grabbing the guidon of a company and you're the one expected to lead. Well, if you have leadership above you that all they've done is given you the answers to the test, you're not going to know what to do when you're in those circumstances where you actually have to lead. So it's... it's yeah. It is amazingly fast. Like I remember being a lieutenant and being like, "Man, I'm never going to be yep. in that yep. in that seat," you know. And then, like two and a half, three years later, you're just like, oh, "I guess it's my turn now." And uh, yeah, it really does fly by. Um, and so, for for me and for my experience, I've noticed a lot of correlation, or at least a lot of lessons learned that I've been able to take from my military experience and sort of channel it towards my my civilian career. Um, however, I'm an engineer on the outside, just like I'm an engineer here. So there's a little bit more direct correlation. Yeah. The way they the way we do business, uh, you know, not here <laughs> is very different, but there are a lot of similarities. So yeah. how would it be for someone like you? Like, right. if you were a police officer, I think it would make perfect sense, right? right? Like you would right. just be able to do the right. same thing. But for somebody like you who is just night and day different in yeah. your two chosen careers, which you're obviously successful at both of them. There's got to be some carryover. So let's start with what do you bring from the Army to your civilian career that you think helps? You know, the ability to lead people. You know, at the end of the day, I would argue up and down. Technical skills is something you can learn, but the ability to lead people will never change. And um, so for me, something I've learned from the Army that I take to my civilian career is just the very simple concepts of being able to get a team together uh, believe in something you're trying to achieve, and then be that catalyst to help them get to where you're trying to, to go. 
Um, so, so the Army's done an amazing job, whether it was in basic anatomy, OCS, IBOLIC, or my deployments, um, is just that, hey, you know, let's take a step back. What's our mission? Okay, our mission is to do X, Y, and Z, and this is the role that we play in helping that happen and then gathering that buy-in from the lowest level. So, so I owe a lot to the Army in teaching me leadership skills, teaching me how to lead people, and uh, it's, it's also about believing in yourself. You know, the Army does a great job, specifically of OCS. Um, I remember them, you know, at some point, you're going to have to be in charge, you know, ready or not, and you learn so much through failure. And so when it comes to the civilian side, those experiences of just being able to rally people and move them in a direction is something that's helped me light years in my civilian career. Absolutely agree, one hundred percent. The army they do they do a lot of things not <laughs> not well. I'll say that very nicely. I would say one of the things that they do impeccably well and probably better than any other branch of service is leadership development because they have to. Uh, and I remember you know coming up and, and as part of my training, my, my dad was an army officer and. Uh, I've been exposed to that world a lot. As an officer in the Army, you're a leader first, and whatever your job is, second. And that's not the way it is in a lot of other branches. I mean, you know, even even in service support and other branches, like yep. non-combat related jobs in the Army, your job as an officer is to lead. Yep. Doesn't matter if you know how to do any of the jobs of your subordinates, your job is to lead them. Mm-hmm. And so they go to a great lengths in developing these leadership skills and these traits and these exercises uh, so that you understand that leadership is universal, and it doesn't matter if you're applying it to, you know, des- designing widgets or if you're pushing people on uh, a short ambush or something. You know, like it's it's the same the same tactics are applied to both of them. Yep. Uh, so I think that's a great point that you bring up between the both of them, and that's certainly something that I've experienced as well. Do you find, and you know, I've, I'm going to save my answer. Do you find that? You'll bring up stuff like on the civilian side that is so commonplace in the military, but it is just completely foreign. So uh, my space between my deployment that ended in 2012 to this one was uh, pretty significant. So I didn't find myself uh, using too much jargon and uh you know, too much military. There was still certainly instances where I'd catch myself saying things. I'd get puzzled looks and I'd have to uh, retrace my steps. What'll be really unique is leading in this capacity as a company commander and then going back. Because I guarantee the culture shock of going back into the civilian world in this environment, I will definitely have instances where I'm going to say and do things that are completely foreign uh, to the banking world when I jump back into mm-hmm. it. So that's funny. Yeah, I've, I've I've been there myself, so I can I can definitely say that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, it it's things kind of we take for granted, uh, like the chain of command, like having an established organizational chart is is something that really is is not ever present. Like it's I mean it's it's in there's a loose one typically. You kind of have a a rough order of magnitude. Okay, this guy's the boss, or this lady's the boss. But for the most part, it's it's kind of like everybody's floating around. You got some people depending on the situation. 
Um, and, and I know that can be kind of confusing for us because it's really easy in the military. It's like, what are you wearing on your shirt? All right, well then you're in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so then let's let's flip the conversation. So are there things you take from your civilian job that you can apply to your infantry-based defense yep. patrolling? Uh, so communication, that's a big one. So in the banking world, uh, my job, you know, Prior to the one I got on this deployment was to be a branch manager. So I was a branch manager um, for years, and I was always working with customers. And so the number one thing to be successful when you're leading people and working with people is your ability to communicate with people. And so uh, one of the takeaways I've had is just that ability to sit down, connect with people, read them, understand what they're really trying to say if they're not saying it, and being able to ask those purposeful questions to make sure you're getting what you need or why they came in. Um, Because I think the one thing that the active duty army or active duty in general is um, they are all trained and they constantly are in this environment 24-7 where on the civilian side you pick up a lot of those uh, emotional intelligence and it's more of those softer skills, I would say, that you're able to develop um, on the civilian side. And I found myself being very successful when I'm able to take that skill set and apply it here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you can definitely tell, I think, the, the leaders who have only only seen it from the military standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that they're bad or wrong necessarily, but it's just, you're right, it's definitely a softer skill. There's... There's an understanding of how to talk to people and, and how to get things done, you know, without necessarily barking orders or yelling at folks and all this other stuff. I mean, sometimes, I'm wrong, there's a time for that, and, and, and sometimes that's what needs to happen. Um, but nine times out of ten, you see the people that are doing that tend to be a little more insecure. Um, they're, they're, they're not as confident as they should be, and so they feel like they're overcompensating by just throwing their rank around. It's like, you don't have to do that. Right. And, and you're, you're right. You learn that in the civilian world where you're not wearing a rank, a yep. rank and yep. your job is customer service. You know, I mean, yep. at the end of the day, if, if I don't do my job and I don't please the person who's paying for my service, right. they're not going to come back or I'm not going to get any more work and I've defeated the purpose. And in the military, we have no concept of that. Yep. Like, you're, like, that's not a problem because yep. you're not worried about it. So you don't need that. But that's interesting. That's a, that's a good one. I like that. All right. Um, throw a tough one at you here. Uh-oh. What has been the hardest part about this deployment? So you're a company commander now. You're in charge of everybody. You're the boss man here. What's been the hardest part about this particular deployment? Yeah, and, and so I'll go back to two. So on June 1st, uh, when our deployment started, I had said... Um, my ex- expectations are two things: is that our, you know, as leaders, we're asking this question, but as uh, leaders, we're also ensuring this is happening: is are we doing things right, and are we doing things the right way? So the hardest thing for me is one, you know, the safety of the soldiers. You know, just making sure that um, you know everybody goes home alive. As a company commander, that is like the number one goal is just making sure your soldiers are okay. And then the, the second thing is just mission success, that we are 
competent and capable of what we're doing, and I think it boils down to those two simple principles. But what makes that a challenge in this role is I can't be everywhere. And I already said I'm not a micromanager. I let my leaders lead, but at the end of the day, it's really hard to accept that things aren't always going to go right. You know, you're always accepting risk. And as an officer, they say you have unlimited liability. And on this deployment, I've definitely learned and felt what that that means. And and so for me, it's just letting go and just letting your leaders lead. And if mistakes are going to happen, and then your expectations have to be, are we learning from those mistakes to make sure they don't happen again? Because at the end of the day, like I said, there's only 24 hours in a day, and I can kill myself, be everywhere, but then I'd be the person and the leader I don't want to be. And it's just letting go and letting your leaders execute. So Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, I think people have a, a misconception, too, about what what the dangers really are yeah. in, in this environment and in a yeah. deployed environment. I mean, yes, there is danger of enemy contact. That's always, that's there. That's why we're here. If there wasn't that danger, then no, then they wouldn't need us here, right? So, so that's that's part of it. But there's so much other stuff that can go wrong. I mean, we're in we're in you know Kenya, so there are poisonous snakes everywhere you turn, right? There's there's deadly insects, there's rabies, there's sicknesses, there's heat casualties. I mean, you name it, we can go on for days. Uh, so. As you're managing this risk, and obviously there are hazards everywhere, and you have 150 people that you're responsible for, most of which probably are not the safety-minded individuals <laughs> that you would hope they would be. I mean, okay, let's put it in perspective. Most of them are 18 to 25-year-olds right. that right. were really excited to be able to, to bring a gun into combat. Like, that's, you know, these are the folks that, that you, that's that you, what want. you want. This is the folks you want. You want. But that also means that they're probably, you know, self-preservation is not real high on their list. Yeah. You know, so so how do you how do you rein that in, but not to a degree where you're inhibiting, right. like the ability to to go out and protect and do that job. Yeah, and so that's where it's my job, uh, along with so I have a first sergeant that I work along with, and then of course uh, platoon leaders, platoon sergeants, and. For me, influencing specifically where I'm at is one, setting expectations and standards. So when I am uh, visiting the soldiers or witnessing things, it's making sure they always remember what right looks like if I do sort of see something wrong. Um, you know, and, and also just sharing, you know, when things do go wrong, what went wrong, being 100% transparent about everything that, that happens. And it's not too... Um, you know, point anything out. It's just to make sure that we all, um, you know, in the military, you, you can call it a safety stand down, but really what it is, is just your ability to articulate something that went wrong, the outcome, and what we need to do to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, and then from there, it's uh, relying on your first sergeant, and then specifically that platoon level leadership on down to the squad leaders. Because, you know, the guys all care about each other. We all want to get home. We all have a family or somebody to get back to. And it's just reminding that 21-year-old that, yeah, if you're driving a little too fast and you take that corner too sharp, you may not be the one coming home. And, and letting them understand that. Or you may hurt your battle buddy that's, that's with you. 
you know, your actions don't just impact you. And and so from my level, it's setting the, the conditions and standards of what you're looking for uh, and then spot checking that and then just making sure you're meeting with the soldiers when things do go wrong to let them know, hey, this is what happened. Um, this was the outcome and this is what we're going to do differently moving forward. That's great. That's fantastic. So what are your, uh, how old are your kids? Uh, so I have an eight-year-old son, Jackson, a six-year-old daughter, Adriana, and a three-year-old son, Jameson. So. Okay. And what do they think about daddy being a, a soldier in Africa right now? Yeah. <laughs> so they love it. Um, you know, my oldest takes a lot of pride in it, uh, but he definitely misses me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, so he's the one who uh, he'll break to his friends that his dad's in the Army. But then when I'm on the call with him, he wants me to go home tomorrow. Um, you know, my daughter, of course, she's she's incredible. She's uh, all about it as well. Um, and then my youngest son, Jameson, knows no different. He just yeah. he loves my my wife, and yeah. is, he's a mama's boy. Yeah. Well, cool. Good deal. Anything else you want to want to close with or, or mention? I mean, we don't have to stop. You got something else? Yeah. No. Uh, I guess from my standpoint, you know, uh, whoever's listening to this, you know, just thank you um, because at the end of the day, you know, especially sir, serving with you and everybody on this base, it's a heck of a sacrifice to say goodbye to our families, come over here, do what we have to do. Um, you know, ultimately to protect everyone back home. And uh, it's, a, it's a really big deal, especially, you know, for me, a couple things that uh, I would argue is we actually have it easier. It's our families back home who have it the hardest. Um, they're the ones that, you know, have to take the kids to daycare, take them to school, cook all the meals, clean the house, and do it all without us where we come over here and we're all together doing the same thing and uh, so you know I would also say if there's anybody you know next door who's deployed you know shovel their driveway if, if it, the snow is you know a foot and you know somebody's a single spouse that's you know probably got to get to work and doing it themselves or you find out you know they need to get to a store, you know, it doesn't hurt to watch, ask if you can watch someone's kids for a little bit. So yeah, that's it's great. a struggle back home too. For sure. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, no, that, that's an excellent point. I, I, I know. So I, I'm in the reserves obviously as well. Um, obviously. Yeah. I'm in the reserves as well. So, um, and I, I live in Orlando, but my unit's in Atlanta and there's no military bases in Orlando. I'm assuming wherever you live is probably pretty similar. Correct. And, uh, and people have been great. Like the support has just, I was concerned, you know, being deployed that like nobody's really used to that. There, there, there's not like spouse support groups like there are around the active duty bases and they can't just go to the base and get whatever they need or get the help that that's offered, which there are great programs for that. But if you're in the guard or reserve, you, you may not have access to that kind of stuff. Um, and I know our, like our church community, our friends, our, our family have just been spectacular. Um, yeah, I think at least twice a week have people brought meals to our house since I'm like the whole time I've been gone. Uh, have you seen kind of the same thing? I'm yeah. Gonna... Yeah. So uh, we have one, our soldier family readiness group, our SFRG, which is a network of families from our company that 
get together. It's all virtual through Facebook due to COVID, um, but that's a way they're able to connect and we're able to push out resources. And then just personally for my wife, you know, our neighbors have been outstanding. They'll that's chip awesome. in, help out. Um, and, and of course, my wife's parents have been incredible, you know, watching our kids when she just needs that mental break and to get sure. away and, and help out. So, Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for cool. taking the time. This was yeah. super fun. Good luck to you for the rest of uh, your short time here. Absolutely. And uh, uh, we'll see you in Disney cool. World. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Good job. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, it was a great conversation. Uh, he is a very impressive man and leader, so definitely some good takeaways. Always a pleasure to be able to work with people like that. I learned so much from working with all the people I've worked with during this deployment. But that ends another episode, so uh, if you are so inclined, please uh, feel free to share the podcast, go on to iTunes or Spotify and give us a review and a rating, it really helps the show grow. Also, if you would like, I have a couple books out on Amazon, three as a matter of fact. Uh, the first one is uh, Providence, Athleta Christie, and followed by OIF Journal, Henry Sissel. Those are both fiction books, and uh, they're action-adventure uh, Christian-based books. And then also I have uh, Judges and Kings, which is a middle grade novel, also fiction, and my kids seem to really like it. <laughs> Written for about eight to eight, eight to thirteen year olds, uh, but you know it's it's a fun read. Uh, my mom also likes it very much. Just you know, in case you're wondering, <laughs> but, uh, if you would be so kind, you can find them on Amazon, or you can look me up on my website, JoeCThomasAuthor.com. And check out what's up there. So that ends another episode. I appreciate y'all listening. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye. My love for you will make me try forever.